Revelation 11, verses 15 through 19. We've heard the in the past weeks the first of the six first six of the seven trumpets. We've seen two devastating woes. Today we'll hear the final, the seventh trumpet echo through heaven and earth. Read with me. Revelation chapter 11, verses 15 through 19. This is God's Word. And if you let it, it will change your life. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God saying, we give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was For you have taken your great power and begun to reign. The nations raged, but your wrath came. Time for the dead to be judged and for rewarding your servants, the prophets and saints, and those who fear your name, both small and great, and for destroying the destroyers of the earth. Then God's temple in heaven was opened and the, and the ark of the covenant was seen within his temple. There were flashes of lightning rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and heavy hail. Pray with me. Father, bless the reading of Your Word. Bless the preaching of Your Word. Bless the hearing of Your Word. And bless the doing of Your Word. May we take these words to heart and put them into practice. In Christ's name, Amen. This seventh trumpet Many times in Revelation, there are ebbs and flows in the activities of God and men. There are scene jumps between the physical and the celestial, almost like an indecisive squirrel trying to run back and forth across the road. With the prior trumpets, we saw a lot of destruction on earth, tempered, though it was, by the fact that God was wanting begging almost people to repent of their sins, to turn away from their evil ways, and to turn to Him. His willingness to accept repentance, even as judgment carried out. Then there's an interlude. The majesty of God being shown to us in this angel, whether this is the angel of the Lord, whether it's God Himself making Himself known, or whether it's just simply an angel showing us the character of God. We see the prophet taking an active role as he takes the scroll and ingests it to be told, now you must prophesy more. Then we find two witnesses. Two witnesses that give us accounts, that that demonstrate, that call upon God's wrath on an unrepentant world, a still unrepentant world. And in all these things, only two of the three woes have passed. The third was yet to come. And what would that woe be? You fully expect when you pick up this passage to read that you would read the beginning of the third woe. Just how bad would this coming judgment be? Look at verse 15. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven. As it turns out, the third woe is still future. Rather than unleashing the final woe, this seventh trumpet unleashes something else. 
Rather than the seventh trumpet announcing God's wrath, it would be the announcement of God's reign. Do you remember the seventh seal? In Revelation chapter uh, chapter 5, we see these this scroll with seven seals. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And, and there's weeping in heaven. Because who's open? Who can open the scroll? Who is worthy to open the scroll? It's not just who has the power to open. Anybody can break seals. But who has the authority? You see, a seal is only opened by the one in authority. And so the one who has authority, the one who has the ability, who has the clout, who has the stature, who has the authority to open the seven seals on the scroll is the Lamb Himself. And when He opens that seventh seal, do you remember what happened? Revelation 8.1 When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. The breaking of the seventh seal initiated gasps of wonder and awestruck silence as all of heaven waited on its tippy toes to see what would happen next. Now with the blast of the seventh trumpet, there's no silence. Rather, there are great voices, loud voices. Instead of there being silence in heaven, now there's a ruckus. And what do the voices say? Keep reading in verse 15. There were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. God is beginning His complete dominion. This is a momentous occasion. This is a time not for the silence of anticipation, but for shouts of fulfilled anticipation. That's exactly what happens. Look at verse 16. And the 24 elders who sit on their thrones. These 24 elders, we've seen them before. The 24 elders who sat on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God. Every time we see these elders, they're falling on their faces and worship. Back in Revelation 4, these elders are surrounding the throne, falling down on their faces, Casting their crowns at the feet of the throne. Praising God. Every time we see them, they're worshiping. We do not see these elders at any point in the book of Revelation without a reference to worship. And for good reason. Because God's worthy of worship. Amen? Listen to what they say. Revelation eleven seventeen. We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty. This is an interesting phrase. Um, it's... Well, it's about every kind of way you can exalt the Lord all in one. Lord, Master, God, Powerful One, my Almighty. You, you, you about, without making full sentences, you about can't say anything more about God's character than those three words together. We give thanks to you, Lord, God, Almighty. Why? who is and who was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. Now, did you catch it? Did you catch it? There was something special in there. Did you Did you hear it? Let me, this is one of the greatest promises in the entire book of Revelation. So let me read it again. We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. Who is and who was. Isn't that incredible? Think back for just a moment. John, at the very beginning of the book, is writing this revelation of Jesus Christ. And when he sees Jesus, 
He describes it this way. He says, John, to the seven churches that are in Asia. And he describes this Jesus. Grace to you and peace from Him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before His throne. Then, just a few verses later, Jesus describes Himself. I am the Alpha and Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come. The Almighty. See, there you go. Lord God and Almighty. All there. And those those four living creatures. The ones that surround the throne inside of the 24 elders. Those four living creatures who are constantly flying around, constantly praising God, proclaiming of Him. What do they say? Those four living creatures, Revelation 4, each of them with six wings, full of eyes all around and within and day and night. They never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Have you caught it yet? All throughout human history, God has always been He who was. He who created time, existed from time immemorial. God is also the ever-present I Am, the one who never ceases to be in any moment, never ceases to be in any place. And from our perspective, God is the one who is to come. His nature is such that He'll never be subsumed, never be destroyed, never be eliminated. He'll never be obsolete. He'll never be in ruins. He'll never be rotted or decayed, rusted, or any other form of degradation. God is the one who is to come until this moment in Revelation 11 when the elders declare that there is no more is to come about it. You see, there is never a time from eternity past to eternity future where God does not reign. And now we get to see Him exercise His dominion in the fullness of His majestic power. And oh, what a day that will be. When my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon His face, the One who saved me by His grace. When He takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be. We can look forward to a day where God never is again the One who is to come because He has come. There is coming a day when the God who was and the God who is isn't the God who is to come because there's nothing else left for him to come when he has fully come. Oh, what a day that will be. The elders continue in verse 18. And the nations raged. We're like David. We're in a time of raging nations. Psalm 2 says, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed. Anointed? Messiah? Christ? Those are all the same word, you know. And those nations, they say, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in heaven laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then He will speak to them in His wrath. And terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. Oh, the nations may rage, but the Lord reigns. Look at verse 18. The nations rage, but your wrath came. The time for the dead to be judged and for rewarding your servants, the prophets and saints, and those who fear your name, both small and great, and for destroying the destroyers of the earth. Oh, the nations rage, but God reigns. He's the one who exercises holy wrath. He's the one who judges men. 
He's the one who rewards those who are faithful. He's the one who rewards them, whether they're famous or not. You don't have to have millions of followers. You don't have to have great big masses of people lining up to see you, to meet you, to know you. You don't have to have that, both small and great. He's the one who rewards. He's the one who destroys those who bring destruction. God is the one worthy of all praise. So it's a little surprise that the elders are willing to lavish upon him praise after praise after praise after praise after praise. You know, there's a Hebrew word for praise. You may have heard of it. It's the word hallelujah, right? And you know, hallelujah means praise the Lord. But we use that wrong. We say hallelujah, and we mean it as a declaration. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! That's not what it is. In Hebrew, hallelujah is a command. In fact, 23 times in the book of Psalms, we are given the command, hallelujah! Praise the Lord! It's a command! He's calling on us, commanding us, God demands praise of us because He is the one worthy of praise. And if we do not give it to Him, then we are cheating Him out of what is rightfully His. We are commanded to praise the Lord. Praise isn't optional. It's required. Oh, but it's not just responsibility. It's a privilege to praise the Lord. The elders praise God like that. That, like, like it says in Psalm 146, 1 and 2. Praise the Lord! Praise the Lord, O my soul! I will praise God as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. The elders are praising Him like that, and we can too. You know, in this time of pandemic, in this time of crisis, it's easy to lose sight of the fact that God is still worthy of our praise. We may not be able to praise Him in the same building, But His worthiness of praise is no less today than it ever has been. And it will be no less at any point in the future. Our circumstances do not excuse us from the responsibility nor preclude us from the privilege of praising God. We have a God who's always been, who always is, and who always will be worthy of our praise. And so much more. So praise the Lord. Find ways to praise the Lord. Even when you don't feel like it. Even when it looks like things are bad. Even when you think, I don't know how I can praise the Lord. I don't know how I can bring myself to praise. I don't know what I can do to make it happen. Can I tell you something? I, I, I've heard a lot and seen a lot of people talking about going to church in their pajamas. Don't do that. Get dressed. If you, even, even watching it on a TV screen or on a tablet or on a phone or on a computer. Get yourself dressed up because God's worth it. Praise the Lord. But don't just praise Him by looking at a church service on Facebook. Don't just praise Him by watching it from the comfort of your home. Praise the Lord every day. Find ways to praise Him. Whether that praise is getting together with your family. Maybe you have the opportunity to sing praises to God with some sort of instrument. Great, do it. Maybe you don't. Maybe you shouldn't. It's okay. Sing praise anyway. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all you earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with thanksgiving. Praise Him. 
Because even in the midst of the crisis, even in the midst of the pandemic, even in the midst of the terrible situation, God is always worthy of our praise. He's worthy of more than we could ever give. So give it to Him. Praise Him. After hearing the praises of the elders, John sees something else. Look at verse 19. Then God's temple in heaven was opened, and the ark of His covenant was seen within His temple. You see, praise will have that effect. The more we praise God, the more we'll experience His glory. Now, for John, that meant getting to see into the temple. Not the earthly temple. It's God's temple in heaven that was opened. The real deal. Not just the one on earth. Not just the sanctuary where you come to worship. Not just this place where I'm preaching from. The real temple. You see, all this stuff, the temple that was on earth until it was destroyed, the sanctuary, these places where we build specifically for the worship of God, they are their copies. The original is in heaven because that's where God is. You know, and that's what makes the temple special. It ain't, it ain't gold-plated anything. It ain't the elaborate altars. It ain't the, the, the special things. It's not pews. It's not an offering table or a pulpit. It's not these kinds of physical things that make it the temple. It's not even the words holy to the Lord or the presence of priests or bishops or pastors. That, that's not what makes, that's not what makes it a temple. That's not what makes it the place where the glory of God dwells. You see, it's God being there that makes it a worthwhile place. And when we praise God, when we genuinely come before Him with thanksgiving and praise, when we confess our sins and we seek His will, when we ascribe to the Lord glory and majesty, when we join in the heavens in proclaiming the work of God's hands, as we do these things, God lets us experience Him a little bit more. He peels back the curtains, opens up our eyes a little wider, and helps us to see more and more of His majesty. I'm convinced now more than ever we need God's majesty. Here in Revelation 11, the temple is open and you can look in to that most holy place in that temple, that, that, that inner sanctum of God, that place where he sits and he catches a glimpse of the real ark and John gets to experience a little bit more of the glory of God. Now that's not without affect. The Bible says there were lightning, flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake, and heavy hail. It's going to have an impact on you. Those things are dangerous. Lightning, thunder, earthquake, hail. Those things wreak havoc. Those things bring destruction. Those things ruin. But he says it almost as if it doesn't matter. Oh yeah, there, there was all that stuff. But did you see heaven open? Did you see the temple? Did you, did you see the Ark of the Covenant? One day, one day we'll understand the majesty of God so well that nothing else will matter. And I pray that you're getting closer and closer to that every day. God is worthy to be praised. He's worthy to be praised. And that praise, when we do it, will give us all the more reason to praise Him even more. Let me encourage you to praise God. Let me encourage you not to forget about the trouble but to allow your vision of God to grow in the middle of the trouble. This world needs hope. And we have an everlasting hope. We have a God who was 
and who is, and for now, who is to come. And one day he will come. And that is a source of hope that is far greater than anything else. Christian, don't just trust God with your eternity future. Trust him with your right now. Give him praise and watch him be the God that you need him to be. Non-Christian, person who may have been hearing about God, may have tinkered around with it, may have even been to church a lot, may have heard the stories over and over and over again, but never really has done anything with it. I want you to know my God deserves all the praise. My God deserves all of our worship. And I'd love for you to know him. Reach out. Contact us at the church or put a comment on this video. I'm keeping tabs on the videos. So if you put a comment that you need to talk to someone, I'll get in contact with you. Because more than anything else, I want you to know that there is a reason for hope. And it lies within our God. Our God who was and who is and who one day will come. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray that those watching this video whether live or in coming days, would know just how worthy you are. Father, show yourself to them. Open up their eyes so that they can see your glory, your majesty, your wonder. Help them to see the hope that only you can provide. Help them to trust you with everything they are. Father, help us live out this passage. Help us praise you no matter how bad the circumstance may be. And help us as we praise you to see you more and to continue praising you evermore until that day comes when you are just the one who was and the one who is. Father, thank you for being the God that we can count on. Help us count on you. In Christ's name, we pray these things. Amen.